and welcome to The Stockout. The Stockout is one of about 20 different shows at FreightWaves, and this is the show that focuses in on the CPG space, the consumer packaged good space. And the title of today's show is going to be What the Coming Economic Storm Means for CPG. That's a reference to a quote from uh, Jamie Dimon, the CEO of uh, JP Morgan, who compared uh, what he was seeing in the economy to storm clouds overhead that presages a very severe or maybe not so severe economic storm and really felt that that was the main topic in the CPG uh, space over the past week or so. So spent some time on the Stockout newsletter um, you know, writing about that. And uh, today on the show, I'm going to have Anthony Smith on, who is our chief economist at FreightWaves. And I wanted to get his take on some of the recent economic commentary and just some of the commentary from just uh, some of the prominent voices that have expressed their uh, thoughts on the economy lately, not just, uh, you know, Jamie Dimon, you know, Elon Musk saying oh, this is a you know, pretty uh, severe, um, you know, potential, uh, you know, downturn in the economy coming. Heard from you know Janet Yellen uh, last week. Talked about how you know she underestimated the degree of inflation. Um, so all of these things um, I think are important for the CPG industry, and I can relate the um, you know economic uh, concerns with what's happening you know in the CPG uh, space. And I think it's fair to say the CPG uh, space is more defensive than most sectors, uh, but not uh, recession uh, proof. Um, before we do that, um, actually, I should intro myself. I'm Mike Bowden, just to follow the uh, railroad and uh, intermodal industries here, as well as the CPG uh, industries. Um, and before we talk in about with Anthony about uh, the economy, I'll just hit on one CPG news story. Um, you know, we'd like to talk about the CPG supply chains here. And uh, this has to do with General Mills. General Mills was at a Wall Street conference. Their vice president of North American uh, retail uh, was speaking at the RBC conference. And, you know, here's a, a, a quote from General Mills. We're seeing 10 times the number of disruptions in our supply chain from an ingredient standpoint coming into our plants that we've never experienced before. And this gets really challenging when we can't see them in many cases. So a truck is supposed to show up at our with oil at a refrigerated dough plant in Tennessee and doesn't show up. So we have to shut the line down. Obviously, that creates a lot of issues in terms of having the right amount of product and supply to our customers. At the same time, it drives a lot of incremental costs as well. So we have thousands of these material disruptions every single month now, and it's something they haven't experienced before. So that's what's happening in the world of CPG supply chains is not only are ingredients costs rising, freight costs are still higher than they were a year ago, uh, packaging costs are higher, you know, anything that goes into those ingredients like fertilizer, those costs are higher. Contract manufacturing prices have really increased. Uh, the companies are, are dealing with uncertain demand, um, but also it's hard to get those ingredients, um, you know, at those at the right facilities at the right point in time. General Mills uh, cited specifically starch and oil being major constraints on their uh, production facilities, and they're moving in the direction of having more ingredients on hand, if you want to call it more of a just-in-case instead of just-in-time, maybe those are overused terms, but that's a little bit of the direction that General Mills is going into because they say, you know, yes, it's costly to have excess inventory. It's also even more costly to have to shut down, you know, production facility because you don't have enough oil, you don't have enough starch, you don't have enough whatever um, in, ingredients. Um, and so, 
that's where I think the CPG industry is going. Um, but on the positive side, and we've heard this from lots of CPG companies, General Mills says that their, their market share really hasn't been hurt, even though they've taken a lot of different price increases. They've actually taken like five different price increases at certain products you know, over the past year. And some of those are, you know, actually the list price increasing. Sometimes that's, you know, maybe a shrinkflation or fewer promotions. There's other, you know, sort of levers to pull. But um, General Mills says elasticities are less than half of what they would have expected historically. That's a sentiment that we think we've sh- that uh, is shared by other CPG companies. Whether that persists, I think, is another question entirely and goes into the next discussion topic. I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes um, with my colleague and friend, uh, Anthony Smith, talking about um, you know, the macro economy. And what the CPG companies are trying to figure out is – um, you know, how hard to push on price. You've seen some CPG companies raise prices 4 or 5%, you know, over the course of a year and sort of maintain their market share. We've seen other CPG companies get more aggressive and, and take their prices up 8 9%, which is more in line with how much their ingredients are, are increasing and how much their costs are increasing, which is really close to 10%. Um, and, and some of those companies have actually lost some share, uh, more so than the ones that have, have had more a moderate, moderate price increases. So that seems to be what some CBG companies are thinking about, um, but it'll uh, remains to be seen whether the elasticity trend um, persists or not. Also, CPGs are investing internally um, rather than uh, relying on some of this contract manufacturing. I think that's sort of the, the, the balancing act is their demand is higher than it was pre-pandemic levels for most uh, you know, consumer packaged goods. They've had to rely on contract manufacturing. Those costs have risen. They're trying to decide should we bring more of that, that, that in-house? Do we want to take that risk of, of um, spending capital there? And then the other um, issue that a lot of CPG companies are facing is should they invest more in automation rather than um, having a, a labor-intensive process? Should they have more of a capital-intensive um, process? And, and we'll get into that with, with Anthony, too. See, interesting to see what, what he would recommend. But um, with that, um, I'd like to bring on Anthony Smith, our chief economist. Mike, thanks so much for having me on. It's an honor. <laughs> okay, well, I guess it doesn't take much to honor you, but um, you know, happy no. to, to see you. One of the things I miss about Chattanooga is, is sitting next to you and um, you know, hanging out uh, in between uh, you know various shows and reports. Um, but really, uh, so the, the first thing I want to ask you is what really got my attention last week was was Jamie Dimon, CEO of J.P. Morgan. If you have anyone hasn't seen what he said, um, he basically said the consumer still in a good spot because of lingering impacts of things like the stimulus checks, not spending money on, on travel, um, you know, all of those things, um, maybe cash out refinancings, all of, all of those things with, with rising housing prices. But he said, well, maybe the consumer has maybe six to nine more months. We've also already seen the, the savings rate tick down, concerned about the quantitative tightening, concerned about the rising interest rate environment, thinks oil is going to go to $150, maybe $175 a barrel. Doesn't see any reason why there's going to be softness there. Do you share those concerns? I share a lot. So some similar concerns. I think his time frame was six to nine months. I think it could be a bit generous. So I think um, we're right now, we're in a critical point. I think we were chatting, at, I know, at the future supply chain, we were talking about, I know you mentioned some of what's happening in the financial markets, what's going on with with stock prices, with certain indices and things like that. 
And if we didn't have 11.4 job openings right now and unemployment wasn't where it's at and the job market wasn't where it's at currently, I think it would be almost like a, you know, a certainty that, okay, this is certainly a, you know, rough patch in the U.S. economy that we're in a recessionary trend. Um, Thankfully, we are seeing that jobs are still supporting consumer growth and activity and things like that. And it's a huge part of the economy. So it's kind of hard to say, okay, you know, if we don't have jobs, what else do we have? Because it's such a huge part of the economy. Um, But when we're looking at the consumer right now, we're seeing, as you mentioned earlier, the savings rate has dipped down. Um, So they're very much, you know, spread thin on that aspect. And we're looking at credit card utilization on a revolving basis or credit utilization on a revolving basis. Consumers are spending right back at where they were pre-pandemic. So that spending has really kind of amped up. And so what we're looking at right now is consumers are still spending. But I think a lot of that spending right now is coming from that certain confidence that, okay, if something goes wrong, I can at least still find a job. I can at least, you know, have gainful employment. I think that certain is a a type of confidence. We're seeing the quit rate is still elevated at 4.4%. So that's good news for the consumer. But I think when we're looking at job openings, it's definitely, um, I played a game with Zach Strickland at the Future Supply Chain. Um, Is it a boom or is it a bubble? And uh, I think the job market right now is one of those areas that's overly inflated. And certainly into bubble territory, um, with there being roughly two job openings for an available worker right now. Yeah, I want to stick with that um, topic of jobs. So one of the things that the CPG companies have really struggled with has been employment and finding enough people during the pandemic. It's That's been a widespread issue. It's been particularly uh, an issue for CPG companies because some of their workers are unionized. We've had some strikes like the, you know, um, Tony the Tiger, whatever that is. Those workers were on strike. Mondelez, which makes the Oreos, Those mm-hmm. there was a strike there. And um, like Tyson's had a really hard time getting, you know, workers in their, you know, some of the processing plants. And my question really is, is that a temporary shortage of workers or people are staying home because they worry they're going to get sick with COVID and, and, and die? Or are we just at a point where the age of the, in the population is old enough that there's just the, the, the workforce is is low and we're going into looking more like, Japan or Germany or someplace where there's just not enough workers. Yeah, I think I think that's an excellent thought. I mean, we're looking at the need for more labor and the need for, um, you know, to help produce these products. And I think there's one thing you mentioned earlier, and I think there's one way to really go about it is automation. And I think that's going to be one of those areas where we look to a more capital intensive solution for a lot of things, because that seems to just to be the the answer to almost everything. We're looking at, um, you know, whether you're for um, a certain minimum uh, wage level or if you're in camp, no minimum wage at all. Um, the truth of the matter is that we're seeing that minimum wages are increasing. And um, we're, we're just talking about, you know, these uh, CPG companies and, and really many companies right now, producers trying to protect their margins and really taking on some hits that still haven't been passed on to the consumer. And so when you're looking at the cost of labor, it's going to get to a point where, 
it's going to only make more sense to get into more automation just because it's going to be a little bit faster, a little bit more cost efficient. There's not going to be concerns about, you know, the machine getting sick or things like that, um, social distancing, stuff like that. So I think that's just going to be the way that we're going to start to move from. I think not just with, you know, manufacturers, CPG, things like that, but I mean, you go to, um, you know, some McDonald's, they've been doing this for some time where you just see a little bit more automation. You don't have to go to a cash register. You just put in your order and then it pops out, then you're good to go. So I think we're looking at uh, the composition of the workplace. That's also shifted as well. So we're seeing that um, Americans uh, uh, throughout the pandemic have been staying at um, their workplace a little bit shorter. Their their tenure isn't as long. I got to look at the updated numbers to see how long the average tenure is now. Um, but that's shortened. Um, we're seeing fewer women in the workplace. We're seeing... Uh, those that have been able to retire throughout the pandemic, a lot of baby boomers have left the market. And that's a huge, in a sense, I think, brain drain into certain industries. And I think um, when we're looking at that, that's going to be a huge area to fill because you're looking at folks that have you know decades of experience. And you might also have experience drained from certain industries from someone that may have had, you know, five, 10 years of experience, but, you know, they took the pandemic as an opportunity to shift and transition into a different field. And so I think that's also going to play into how effectively some of this workforce is going to be able to really pump out the same productivity or quality in certain fields. I think when you look at CPG, this is definitely going to be one that's going to be primed for growth, especially when you look into um, automation or internet of things uh, for that matter. Yeah, those are interesting comments. I mean, it makes me think that maybe what the companies are doing wrong is not making their workplace someplace that people want to go to or being more accommodative to people that have family responsibilities or maybe have want to take fewer hours because they're older and, and just have to be more flexible to the needs of the, the, the specific um, employees without you know being, being a, as rigid. Um, but that's really interesting. Actually, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of the CPG companies invest more and more in Automation. They seem to be of the camp that this is going to be a, a longer term issue. Um, finding finding labor is. Um, wanted to ask you if if these concerns on the economy are are overblown. Let's let's say hypothetically later this year. I don't think people are expecting this, but what if you know stock market hits a new high? Mm. Could could happen. Stranger things have happened. What will have right. had to have gone right? Like what would have have to have happened for that to to, to have happened? Yeah, that's difficult. So I think, of course, you know, that would have to be uh, hats off to Jerome Powell and, and his buddies over there um, for threading that needle, because at that I don't envy him in his current position right now and how to navigate this. So I think that quantitative tightening has to be just right. The interest rates um, rising at that perfect level and consumers just continuing to spend at the same clip that they have been. Um, despite ongoing inflation, whether inflation continues to um, grow at the accelerating trend or if it peaks out and it's just kind of stubborn and slow to come down, it's going to be, I think, for it to go right, we'll need to have consumers just continuing to push forward um, and potentially have these producers pass along the price increases to these consumers. So when I think about the jobs market, it's 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 really uh, you know, I always say it's crucial. It's the last strong point or stronghold in the economy. But uh, I think a lot of the times we're looking at producers right now. I think some shippers, some producers, some manufacturers are going to be um, 
really kind of late to the party. So we just had earnings season and we've heard some, you know, companies say, yeah, we're building up inventory. Some is being done on purpose, but I don't know how much truth there is to that. Um, so just kind of looking at and reading in between the lines. But I think um, we'll need to see these producers, these companies being able to increase prices and for those job openings to stay open. Because as soon as we start to see a huge drop in job openings, um, we'll start to see a drop in, I think, the quit rate. And so that's going to be a sign of consumer confidence and spending. And I think that's when we start to see a, a just a huge pullback in a sense of, of consumer activity. So for it to all go right, Americans are going to have to do what Americans do, and that's just spend. <laughs> but at the same time, these producers are going to have to protect their margins and pass some of those costs on to those consumers just so they can maintain those job openings that they're having the demand for. Yeah, that's um, yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I, on that topic of inventory, you bring up inventories. Do, do you view the fact that inventories are way up at some of these retailers as a potential um you know, impact to inflation where there are going to be a lot of discounting and that's going to be a, a reduction in inflation or are the goods just the goods that people just don't really need? Like, I mean, the thing people need is, is lower energy prices and lower food prices. They don't really right. need lower prices for patio furniture, but that's probably what we're going to get. Exactly. And so I think I think you're spot on. There's going to be maybe some subtle deflationary pressures on certain aspects, some small segments of the market. Um, but when you're looking at a lot of these producers, you know, stockpiling on inventory and this just in case mind frame that we mentioned earlier, I think that that mindset can get a little bit. I mean, I get it because it's like if you've been through this, um, the pandemic and you were just stuck with all this demand, but you weren't able to satisfy it. it. I'm sure it was just such a frustrating place to be in. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, never again, are we going to be in this position? We're going to be able to supply all the demand that's going to be coming our way. We're going to be able to capitalize. We're not going to lose market share. So I think that thinking someone's going to be left holding the bag. And so we are, I think, going to see, of course, like you said, um, you know, a whole bunch of patio furniture that some folks might not have a need for or stuff that just might be out of season. You're lo you know, looking at, you know, clothing or, um, you know, sports goods that are not in season, you know, for it's, you know, track season, the track spikes aren't out, but we have football cleats. And so there are a whole bunch of things that might be out of season or um, inventory that might be damaged. Or if you're looking at components, inventory that is still a uh, work in process. And so you're looking at so many different components of not just, um, you know, uh, uh, I would say, you know, some of the uh, basics like clothes, but also electronics that might get impacted because maybe they're waiting on just one or two components before they can go out the door. Or maybe there's some stuff that would have gone out, but maybe it's been damaged in the warehouse. There's so many different things that could go wrong here. But I think you're spot on that there are certain areas that we could see some deflationary pressures. But I think for the most part and large that we might be stuck with a whole bunch of stuff that a lot of people might not want um, maybe in the middle of the summer. Yeah. The CPG companies have said again and again, many of them, that elasticity is less than historical levels or at least no worse than historical levels. Are you seeing that in other sectors? I would say I, I have not. So I got to I got to dive into that one a little bit more. I have not seen that as much in other sectors as much. Um, it, I mean, throughout the pandemic, it, in the beginning parts, I think it's waned a little bit. So you'd see folks that 
you know, fresh off of stimulus checks and um, retail investors in the stock market, you know, Robinhood heroes and and GameStop warriors that are, you know, just kind of feud with all this cash, they're going to buy what they want to buy. And if they, you know, had to pay top dollar, they're willing to pay top dollar. Um, I think one of the great points that you mentioned um, earlier on Freightways Now, talking to um, you know, once a uh, consumer purchases a you know competitor or a, white, a private label product, it's going to be harder to gain that. It's almost impossible to gain that consumer back. I think now what we're seeing is that um, you know people have kind of built out their their goods that they they're comfortable with and outside of CPG. I think that we will start to see you know some substitution, some wavering. And some flexibility for sure. Um, uh, one I'm going to be watching closely for sure that I think is going to be interesting that I have to do a little bit more digging into is going to be the car market and the used car market and how um, potential new car inventory is really going to impact um, ongoing sales or if there's still going to be that demand for um, uh, automo- automobiles as we continue to see what's happening with interest rates, what's going to happen with car notes. So is, that's going to be one I'm going to be watching closely for sure. Yeah, you know what's interesting about cars is we had that um, the tweet last week from Elon Musk, who is, is concerned about the economy, and I guess they're getting rid of a lot of employees. And and it's like just when I thought you know I had everything figured out, I was thinking that this was sort of going to be a recession for the lower and maybe middle income you know people because those are the ones that are hurt the most by inflation. Maybe people on a fixed income, but it seems like if Tesla is is worried about demand and they have a very affluent clientele. I mean, maybe th- those people that are Tesla customers have, have seen their stock portfolios drop 20 percent because they're in tech stocks and, and and those things. But it doesn't seem like it's any segment is necessarily immune from the economic pressure, if that's true. For sure. And especially I think when you look at some of the tech stocks, the FANG category, there's going to be a lot of, I think, um, concern uh, what we've seen, what's going on with some of these stocks. I think when you look at automotive in general, I think the mantra is going to have to be lean and mean um, compared to where it was throughout the beginning of the pandemic and really trying to pull as much inventory. I don't think that inventory is going to be able to move as fast as it was throughout the beginning in the midst of the pandemic. Um, so I think, you know, Tesla is going to be kind of at the intersection of automobiles and tech. And like you said, really kind of appealing to um, a, a higher net worth individual. So I, I, it's, it's, I think it can definitely be as we move into the third and fourth quarter. Um, uh, but I think recessionary signals are kind of starting to sound off for sure. Um, and hearing, I think Elon's talking about how he would, did he mention that he would be doing layoffs? Was that right? Yeah. I thought it was like 10% of, um, Mm -hmm. office workers and things. I think he also mandated people coming back into the office, which will naturally drive some attrition as well. Right. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a whole nother aspect. I mean, when you're looking at this, um, we talk about all the time here at Freight Waves at optionality. And um, throughout the pandemic, consumers have had the optionality to, you know, oh, I, you're not going to ha- allow me to work remotely. Well, that's fine. I can find someone that will pay me more to work remote. And so I think if we start to see these economic downtimes, um, that really the writing is kind of on the wall here, potentially. Um that that optionality in a sense for consumers and, and being able to trade up and job will start to kind of go away. And then that pendulum always swings back into the favor of one hand to the other. I mean, when you think about an economist, you can just say, yeah, it's, this is going to be a recession. Then it's going to be a recovery. Then there's going to be a recession. It's only in a, 
I think timing it out is is the true art to it. But I think when you're looking at what's happening right now, it's only a matter of time. And I think that time frame is definitely going to be um, as we get into the deeper parts of 2022 and into 2023. So kind of back to our first point with with Jamie Dimon, I think he's he's pretty spot on. But I am still concerned for the nearer term third quarter, I think could sincerely be rough, um, especially with looking at credit card utilization. We also don't still know how impactful I don't think um, some of those buy now pay later programs are going to be for a lot of consumers that are maybe getting a little too happy. I know I have been getting a little too click happy on Amazon lately. So um, for some of those individuals that are spread a little bit thin, I think could be a, a cause for concern. Okay. I have about one minute left. So quickly, um, do you think the housing market has peaked? Number one. And second part of that question is, has the cash out refinancing been a big boost to uh, consumers' ability to spend? And is that going away? I think so. I think it has peaked. Um, and just jumping quickly jumping into it, I think uh, as we continue to move forward, I think um, new our existing home inventories are starting to go back up. Um, we saw, I think, a significant pull forward from a lot of um, potential home or f- potential first-time home buyers or second home buyers, investors, things like that, with the expectation that there was going to be a rise in mortgage rates. So, I am thinking that there will be a, a, a bit of an easing in in housing and construction. Um, but for those that are like flatbed drivers, at least there's still non-resident warehouse construction to kind of go around. Great. Well, I appreciate that. I think I agree with you. I think it's got to slow down at some point with um, mortgage rates rising as much as they have and with other people priced out of the market. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 it'll be interesting to see if, see if they come down or if they just maybe flatten out at a, at a high level. But, but thanks very much. Anthony Smith, our chief economist, encourage everyone to uh, follow his work and follow him every day on Freight Waves Now and hope everyone has a great uh, Monday and, and rest of the week.